morning, church. I'll be reading from Luke, second chapter, verses 41 through 45. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12, year, 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the day, the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it, but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. Let us pray. Precious Lord, we come to you thanking you for all that you've done and that all that you will do for us. Lord, I come asking for blessings of the teachers that teach our children and those administrators in those schools. Lord, help them to protect the children as we go throughout this pandemic. Lord, also, look over our governmental leaders. Bless those leaders. Guide them to follow your path, Lord. Lord, we need this locally, statewide, and nationally. Lord, we come asking you also to bless those families that are in bereaved states. There have been a lot of losses, a lot of family members. You've brought a lot of them home this year, Lord, and in the past. Lord, heal those family members from the hurt and the heartaches. Lord, also, we have the sick and the shut-in. Lord, heal them. Bring them peace. And Lord, last, of course, not least, bless this church. Bless our pastor and bless our family. Bless his family. In your darling son, Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, God bless you. Amen. So glad that each of you are with us on this morning. Listen, there's a lot uh, that we can control. We can control turning on the lights. We can control the temperature in the building. One thing we just cannot control, we can't control the internet. Amen. We just can't control it. Amen. Uh, it, it has a mind of its own. And so, but I thank God we're back up and you are, I see you, you're logging back on. I see the numbers are coming back up. So thank you for being patient and coming back into the worship with us. Go ahead and share it again with your neighbor and your friends. Let them know that we are back up. Amen. And you are back with us on this morning. God is great and greatly to be praised. Listen, we got up just in time for giving, Derek. Amen. We got back up just in time for giving. Amen. So listen, it's time that we prepare our gifts and our offerings unto the Lord. Listen, uh, there are any number of ways that you can give uh, by way of the church, K Chapel Church app. You can give by texting to the number that's on your screen. You can always drop your offering off at the office. Whatever you do, however you do it, we ask you to do two things. Give so liberally and give so cheerfully for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
bless those that had it in their hearts to give but were unable to. Lord, bless these tithes and offerings. In your body and son, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, certainly. We do thank you for your gifts and for all that you do to continue to keep uh, the ministry of K Chapel alive, vibrant, and meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters uh, all around this community, all around the world. Indeed, we ask that you keep a number of our members, brothers and sisters, in your prayers. Uh, Brother Clinton O'Banner and Sister Ray Shaw Williams uh, lost their brother, Mr. Vernal O'Banner, that funeral was on yesterday uh, at the Chapel of West Haven Memorial Funeral Home. We ask that you keep that family in your prayers as well. Keep the uh, Oban- uh, the uh, Mixon family uh, in your prayers as well. You recall that we have funeral services for Brother Mixon uh, this past uh, Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? I believe it was. Thir- Thursday? Okay. Last week, Thursday. Amen. So certainly keep Mother Mixon uh, and the Mixon family in your prayers uh, thanks, thanks be to God. God allowed them to have 75 years of marriage before uh, Brother Mixon's transition. And so we thank God for uh, long life and long love uh, of the Mixon's family. Speaking of longevity, uh, Sister Cora Montgomery, you recall, celebrated her 100th birthday. And she just wanted to send a note of thanks uh, to all who took part in celebrating that a uh, great milestone with her, all of the deacon, deaconess, uh, deaconess and deacons, and those uh, who are responsible for um, bringing that, uh, that that celebration together. Brother John Williams also, uh, she just wants to say thank you to all who took part uh, in that. We certainly love you, Mother, o, Mother uh, Montgomery. Uh, also, we ask that um, the following uh, persons would stay in your prayers and on your minds, uh, Brother Coy Gentry is in St. Dominic Hospital. Uh, Joe Laurie Jr., uh, we call him Jojo, uh, is still at St. Dominic as well. Certainly continue to lift uh, him up. Robbie Edwards uh, has been transferred to the Lakeland Rehab now. We thank God uh, for some progress there. And so we ask that you continue uh, to lift her and keep her in your prayers as well. And to all uh, who we may not have the names of, but certainly they're on your hearts and on your minds. Uh, lift them up before the Lord because we still believe in the power of the prayer of prayer. The Bible says that the prayers of righteous people avail much. And so keep praying. Keep believing that God will do exactly what he has said. Amen. Amen. God bless you and God keep us our prayer. We got one more selection before uh, the word of God. Do it. 
we shall exchange the cross that we have been made to bear for the crown laid up for us. We who believe God and we who have accepted the Son as our Savior, we shall exchange our earthly cross for a heavenly crown. Amen. Amen. Listen, I got word that Sister Jackie Moore is also in the Baptist Hospital. And she is asking for the prayers of the church as well. Sister Jackie Moore, amen. And, uh, okay, yeah, Sister Jackie Moore, oh, she's asking for the prayers of the church in Baptist Hospital. We are praying for you, Sister Moore, and for your family as well. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 45, read as follows. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. When they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. I want to talk from the subject this morning, finding Jesus finding Jesus Derek as believers in Jesus Christ our desire should be to have a vibrant fellowship with the Father through a close relationship with the Savior. We, we used to sing song, draw me nearer, nearer blessed Lord. I remember the male chorus would oftentimes sing that song, just a closer walk with thee, both of which signified the need for followers of Jesus to have a nearness to him. Because the closer you are to Christ, the more you should be made like him. The closer you are to Christ, you should sound more like him. The closer you are to Christ, you should reflect more of his personality. The closer you are to Christ and to his 
character and to his nature and to his ways, the more they ought to influence your character and your nature and your ways. And the problem is that in too many instances, believers have become so distracted that Jesus has gone missing. Distracted by our politics. Distracted by our agendas. Distracted by our itineraries. Distracted by our own desires and interests. So much so that we haven't noticed the absence of Jesus. How tragic. To get so far in your walk only to look up and realize that Jesus isn't there. To become so committed to your cause that you miss the absence of Christ. That's what happened to Mary and Joseph. After leaving Jerusalem, having celebrated the feast of Passover there, they are returning home. The Bible says that they've been on the journey now for at least a day. Assuming that Jesus was walking among some of his kinfolk, some of his cousins, some of their acquaintances. They assumed that Jesus was in the crowd. They assumed that he was walking with them. They assumed that he saw the group getting ready to leave. And, and you know how mama said when she used to say, if you see me getting up and going, you better be with me. They assumed that Jesus saw them getting up and leaving and that he joined the group and that he had been with them so far. And for a full day, they traveled assuming that Jesus was there. I believe, I believe too that some of us have assumed that Jesus is with us. We have assumed that because we started with the Lord, that he's still walking as closely with us now as he was then. And the reality is, is that some of the decisions that you have made have created, has created distance between you and the Lord. Some of the actions you have taken has created distance between you and him. Some of the things you now believe and have embraced have created distance between you and Jesus. Some of the agendas that you have accepted and now support have created distance between you and the Lord. And the tragedy is that we assume that because we know him and he knows us, that he's still as close to us now as he once was. When the reality is, you left Jesus behind a long time ago. You chose some things over your close walk with him and you left Jesus behind a long time ago. You valued the goods and the gains of the world more than the Lord and you left Jesus a long time ago. You put your politics and your preferences and the advancement of your people group over your personal relationship with Christ and you left the Lord a long time ago. And perhaps even more tragic is the fact that you left him and didn't even know it. You left him and you hadn't realized it. You left him and you assume that he's still close by. Let me press a little bit further. Maybe, maybe some of you have actually decided intentionally to put some distance between you and the Lord. And you've gotten okay with it. 
I mean, as long as he's close enough to hear your voice, you're all right with that. Close enough to where he can hear you but not see you. You want him close enough to hear your cry but not see your character. You want him to hear what you're saying but not see what you're doing or how you're acting or with whom you're aligning yourself. You want a Jesus who can stay within earshot but not necessarily eyesight. Close enough to get to you when you call but far enough away from him that he doesn't cramp your style. Close enough that he can help you when you're in trouble but far enough away that he doesn't actually change your character or change your behavior or impact your decisions. And I want to challenge you this morning by saying to you it's time for you to go back and find Jesus. Because I'm convinced that in too many church activities Jesus goes missing in too many of our gatherings as believers we leave Jesus out and we make the assumption that Jesus is necessarily in it because after all Pat it's gospel music but is Jesus in it well it's 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 at the church is Jesus in it you see, because things, certain, certain things have, have religious sentiment attached to it and, and the semblances of sanctity alongside of it and biblical language interlaced with it, we assume that Jesus has to be there. And in fact, some people have written Jesus in so that it looks like he is co-signing onto stuff with which he has nothing to do. But hear me. Stamping a bunch of scriptures onto a movement doesn't make it a Christian cause. Neither does attaching a cross to a building make it a church, nor does putting a robe on a person make them a preacher. Neither does wearing a cross around your neck or in your ear make you a disciple. When everything about how you act and engage others and treat people go against the very teachings of Christ, you, you might know Jesus. And you may have been close to him at one time, but what about right now? Because a close relationship with the Lord would necessarily mean that we experience authentic fellowship with one another. That's what a close walk with Christ would mean. A close walk with Christ would require us to reflect a nature of love and loveliness in our behavior. His presence would be indicated by the ministry of mercy and the gift of grace that we extend not to just folk we like, but folk who get on our nerves. Let me say it another way. You couldn't act ugly and Jesus be there. You couldn't be mean and Christ be close. You couldn't talk nasty and the Lord be near. You couldn't be promiscuous and the Lord be present. And in too many instances, we have assumed that our relationship with the Lord means that he's necessarily close to us. When in reality, you left him a long time ago. Mary and Joseph unintentionally left the Lord behind and didn't know it and they needed to go back and find him go back and get him go back and bring him close to them some of our churches need to do the same thing 
Go back and bring Jesus close. Bring Jesus back to the center of who we are and what we are supposed to be doing because we have been operating perhaps without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us, just having a good time without God being in our midst. Reading the Bible but not allowing his word to become flesh. Hearing the word but not doing it. But here's the good news this morning. If we diligently seek him, the Bible says he will be found. That's what the Bible teaches over and over again, that when we seriously seek after the Lord and when we do so with a diligence of heart and soul, that God will be found. That's the good news of the Bible. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, and ye shall seek me and find me. When ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. James 4 and 8, draw near to the Lord, and the Lord will draw near unto you. Proverbs 8 and 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Matthew 7 and 7, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Deuteronomy 4 and 29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's the good news. That if we seek after God with a diligence and authenticity of heart, we will find him. But let me say this, let me warn you. Finding Jesus might well require losing some stuff along the way. That's the first thing I want to suggest to you. That finding Jesus might require you, number one, to acknowledge that who you have assumed him to be and what you have conveniently made him to be is in most instances far different from who Jesus really is. Who you have assumed him to be and who we have conveniently made him to be is oftentimes far from who he really is. Many Christians are guilty of making Jesus look like themselves. We make Jesus look like us. We make Jesus talk like us. We make Jesus believe like us and like what we like and support what we support and fight for that for which we fight. And finding Jesus might mean losing the one you created. I'm convinced that if the Jesus of the Bible showed up, most Christians wouldn't recognize him. And if the Jesus of the Bible showed up, most churches wouldn't let him in. Because the narrative of Jesus and his story is not one that we lift up even in the church. Jesus wasn't born in the suburbs. He came from the hood. His mama got pregnant with him when she was a teenager. His daddy wasn't his father. He was homeless for the Bible said he had no place to lay his head. And if that Jesus showed up in our churches, we wouldn't know what to do with it. The Jesus of the Bible rarely fits into who we have made him to be and what we have made his mission to be about. Many churches have so politicized Christ and so wrapped their faith in their politics that we have made Jesus our political savior. 
But Jesus did not come to set a political agenda. He came to establish his kingdom. Jesus wasn't an organizer of public policy, but some have made him into a social justice warrior. Jesus was not a church growth specialist, but some have made him into a mega church guru who is but a headliner or a title sponsor of today's church conferences. Finding the biblical Jesus may mean that you have to lose the one you created. And deal with who Jesus really is. Secondly, finding Jesus might require you to look for him associating with unsuspected people. When Mary and Joseph found Jesus, he was not playing on the playground with other kids. When they found Jesus, he wasn't at the marketplace making deals with vendors. When they found Jesus, he wasn't in the blacksmith's shop or at the carpenter's shop learning a trade. He was in the synagogue talking with religious leaders. The last place they expected a child to be was spending his time with a religious crowd. But all of Jesus' life, he had a tendency of associating with unsuspected people. Think about it. The disciples found him one day talking with the Samaritan woman at the well. And they marveled that he spoke with her. The Pharisees and the scribes found him eating with publicans and sinners. He let lepers touch him and allowed children to come close to him when the disciples wanted to shoo them away. All of his life, Jesus broke the cultural norms and associated with the unsuspected. And if you're going to find Jesus, maybe you need to start looking for him in people you've discounted. People you ruled out. People who you've determined that Jesus wouldn't be in them and wouldn't spend any time around them. I have discovered that there is sometimes more love in folk who supposedly don't know the Lord than in some folk who claim to walk with him every day. While as believers... Yes, we must remember to be in the world and not of the world. Yes, we must be cognizant of scripture that instructs us that the light has no business with darkness. What we cannot assume is that Jesus doesn't work in dark places or that he doesn't show up in unconventional spaces. That is what drove the religious leaders mad about Jesus, that he had the audacity to be in the presence of people who were known sinners. And Jesus looked at them one day and asked the question, who needs a physician? The folk who are well or the folk who are sick? In other words, I go where I'm needed. I show up where love needs to be shared. I'm present where people need to hear a word of hope. And I wonder this morning, with whom does Jesus want to associate today and our biases keep us from seeing him there? Our interests keep us from imagining him there and our comforts keep us from taking him there. Finally, finding Jesus might require you to go back to the last place you saw him. Mary and Joseph spent two days in Jerusalem looking for Jesus which means that Jesus had then been missing for three days when they finally found him and when they finally go to the temple 
That's where they find Jesus. Mary is in relieved exasperation when she chastises Jesus saying, why did you do this to me and your father? We've been looking all over for you. Why did you make our hearts so anxious? Where have you been? And Jesus responds by saying this, did you not know I would be about my father's business? Now listen, that response could have been the beginning of a tumultuous relationship with Joseph because anytime a child says to their step-parent, you're not my daddy. You're not my mama. I mean, that, 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 that could have been what Joseph heard when he said, I was about my father's business. Well, Joseph is a carpenter. He wasn't in the carpenter shop. So Joseph could have heard his 12-year-old son saying, you ain't my daddy. At which point, <laughs> y'all talk to me if you can. The Bible doesn't give any indication that Joseph was put off by this statement, but it certainly says in verse 50 that neither Mary or Joseph understood what Jesus was saying. But what he was saying was this. Mama, you started in the wrong place. You started your search for me in the wrong place. You see, if you start your search in the wrong place and with the wrong frame of mind and with the wrong intention, you're likely not to find Jesus. If you start in doubt, you will very well end in doubt. If you search for Jesus beginning in skepticism, you are likely to end up remaining skeptical. But if your search for truth begins with an open heart and a willing mind, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. So Jesus says to Mary, you didn't find me because you started in the wrong place. And why did you make this the last place that you would look? The church should have been the first place you came. The church should have been where you started your search. The church should have been where you began looking for me and that's that's where I want to end this morning. That's what I want to tell somebody this morning. That if you've discovered that in your life you're not as close to the Lord as you once were. If you know that there is more distance between you and God than there has been before. If, if you recognize that you are more guided by flesh than you are by the spirit of the Lord. Then you're not going to find Jesus by doing more of what you're doing now. But you've got to come back to where you last saw him. Go back to where you remember having left him. Go back to the place where you last laid eyes on him and you knew it was him. Because the reality is, and I'm through, but the reality is, is that this life's journey can take you down a lot of roads. Can expose you to a lot of theories and thoughts. In school, you'll read the great philosophers. You'll learn of Hegel and Kant. You'll be exposed to the transcendental thought of Emerson and Thoreau. 
You'll read of the existentialism of Kierkegaard. You'll read of the humanist thought of the ancient Greek where they inscribed upon the temple wall of Apollo and Delphi, know thyself. You'll even eventually read the nihilism of Nietzsche who declared God is dead. But when you read all of that, and after you feel you've been educated and enlightened, you may find yourself wandering just a bit away from the faith. Eventually, you might begin to hear other truths and explore other paths. You begin to study other traditions and expose yourself to other faiths and you find yourself wandering a bit further from your faith. And soon life will hand you a series of situations that will test what you're made of. It'll try what's at the core of your being. That's when the bottom falls out. And when the bottom falls out and you look around and discover that you're way on down the road and you don't see Jesus anywhere. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. Go back to the place where you last saw him. Back to the place where you last felt him. Back to the place where you last heard his voice. Back to the place where you last talked to him. You say, Reverend, I, I, I can't get to the church physically right now. You might not be able to get to this physical place, but come back to its teachings. Come back to that for which the church stands. Come back to the principles that we espouse and the precepts that the church has laid forth from the word of God. Come back to the place where you found the Lord and back to the practices that shaped your faith. Come back to the place where Jesus was made real in your life and where you became certain of his voice. For when you seek him with your whole heart and when you seek him with all sincerity, he will be found. Ask, it shall be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Life can take you down some strange paths. But good news this morning, you can find Jesus. Because he, he doesn't hide himself. In fact, he desires to be as close to you now as he ever was. Give me Jesus. Give me This world, but give me Jesus in the morning when I rise in the morning when 
And even if I don't understand it, I love you enough now to believe it. Lord, thank you for salvation and for letting me find you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to do one more thing. Call the number that's on the screen right now. There's somebody there who's waiting to pray further with you and give you any other information that you might need that you might be able to walk out your new faith in Jesus Christ. That person will also be able to lead you to your next steps in being a member of K Chapel if you so desire. So please call the number on your screen right now. They're waiting to speak with you now. Give me Jesus. You can have this whole world and everything that's in it. But just give me Jesus. Hallelujah. It is our blessed privilege on the fourth Sunday of each month to share in Holy Communion. We do this in obedience to what Jesus has taught. He asked to be remembered in this way and gave to an old traditional meal, the feast of the Passover. He gave that feast new meaning and new purpose. He said, the bread that you're eating, it now represents my body and the wine that you're drinking, it now represents my blood. So I invite you, if you've not picked up your communion cups, go ahead and grab something from the pantry. If you've got cracker or juice of some sort, go ahead and get that and share in this, this meal of remembrance where we remember the sacrifice of our Lord, his death, but also his resurrection. Let us break bread together on our knees. God, we thank you now for this moment we share in this meal, sanctify the elements that we now hold as representations of your body and your blood. As we take them into our body, oh God, we pray that we would remember you and all that you've done for us, that we might have life in that more abundantly. Purge us and purify us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. He took bread, break it and bless it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Likewise, after the same manner, he took the cup and blessed it, saying, this is the blood of the New Testament which is shared for the remission of sin. 
As often as we do this, we do show forth his death and suffering. Until he comes again, let us drink together. When they had finished, they sung a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.